Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Apron Bumps, episode five, but again, yet another, our second pay-per-view review of WrestleMania 36, night two. The show just got off the air maybe about 15 minutes ago, and uh, me and my wonderful collaborator and co-host, Mr. Gabe Nozid, about to go over the card, but how'd you feel uh, here tonight on night two for WrestleMania, Gabe? Good night for you again. Um... Let's see, WrestleMania Night 2, uh, I still had that WrestleMania feel, but mm-hmm. coming from Night 1, um, I would have rather had that one instead of this one, but we'll get to why uh, once we get to the matches. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of break all that down, so we're, we're yes, just going to get right into it. Uh, they, they showed the same video package at the beginning that they did for Night 1, it was literally... The exact same opening promo, but you can't really blame the them. Thing? Yeah, it was, but like you know okay. that if, if it was just a traditional show in front of a stadium, they would have showed it just one time. So, I mean, it's all good to use the same thing twice. I mean... Well, since I didn't see it last night, I thought it was uh, it was kind of funny, yeah. so I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was, it was very well done, and it's, it's the one they used last night as well. And so, once again, we're opening with uh, the women on the main card. The show kicked off with the NXT Women's Championship match. Uh, Rhea Ripley defending against Charlotte Flair. Everybody coming out with their uh, Mania attire, I might want to mention, at the Performance Center. I guess everybody got their, uh, you know, everybody seems to get, like, new gear or, like, fancy gear that they haven't worn before that they decide to wear for the biggest show of the year. And it makes sense. I mean... Makes, yeah, it's Mania. Yeah, so... Yeah, so they just Whether like, it be in the Performance Center, it's still Mania. Yeah, you know? still, just given the circumstance, it had to be there. So it, it starts with... Um, Charlotte basically overpowers Ripley for the good beginning of this match and just chops her. And then all of a sudden, Rhea hits the Riptide, like, oh, I, right I, out of I nowhere. That. Yeah. That was weird. I'm like, yo, she just dropped her finisher like For that. a split to... second before the ref counted, I thought, like, is it going to be a squash to open this here uh, night two of WrestleMania? But it wasn't. That would have been really wild. Uh, Charlotte kicks out, and thank God she did, because there's quite more of a match to go over here. So they both fight on the outside, and uh, Charlotte tosses Rhea into the, the ring steps. Uh, back into the ring, uh, Rhea does kind of uh, take advantage and starts overpowering Charlotte, gives her a bunch of stiff kicks. Um, Rhea goes for a submission attempt on the mat and uh, then covers it into like a pin attempt of sorts, like a little bit of an exchange of grappling on the mat. And then uh, Charlotte hangs Rhea's leg on the top rope and begins to get the heat working over her leg. A brief comeback by Rhea is immediately snuffed out and Charlotte continues to work over the leg as the match goes on. Uh, including wrapping it around the old ring post, the old Bret Hart style of, uh, or even Ric Flair style of just throwing the uh, the knee or whatever into the, the ring post. Uh, Ripley counters this and uh, kind of gets some space. Uh, Charlotte's attack of the leg continues. That's a That was a big portion of this match I found, Gabe, was that it was really, really like an old school work the leg yeah. type work of match. Leg, yeah, school, yeah. It, like, yeah. And I, I liked it. I did too. I thought it was uh, very well put together. Um, so this continues on for a little bit longer until Rhea is actually able to hit like this uh, sit out face buster type move. It kind of like she got oh, Charlotte. Yeah. She got Charlotte in a bit of a wheelbarrow yeah, and then sure. sat out and uh, did the face buster. And after that, they both get on their feet and trade shots again. Ripley starts uh, giving some stiff kicks and then uh, transitions into a drop kick. Uh, but upon delivering the drop kick, she sells the leg because it's been getting beaten up all match, and she just on, yeah. and she just you know jumped really high and it gave out a bit. So, but she manages to fight off the pain, stays on offense with a series of clotheslines, and uh, out on the apron, 
Charlotte kicks at Rhea's hurt knee once again. Um, uh, but then Charlotte goes for a moonsault, which uh, Rhea um, moves out of the way and delivers another face buster. And then Rhea decides this is not enough and, you know, on a hurt leg, decides to go for a missile drop kick, which gets a two count. A uh, cool counter is then done by Rhea on the match. She uh, counters one of Charlotte's attempts for a submission and gives a bunch of stiff kicks to Charlotte's head before locking her in the prism, I believe is the name of that little, uh, what's it actually called? The cloverleaf is the type of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was, a. at first I thought it was going to be like a, uh, a weird Billy Goat's curse, but no, it was a, it was a cloverleaf. Yeah. I believe she calls it the prism. That's the, the name that uh, she gives her version of it, which is kind of cool. Uh, for a while, they, I mean, before they gave it a name, like in December, I remember it was just like, that submission maneuver. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's got a name. So they call it the prism now. Uh, shortly after that, Charlotte uh, pulls a Jericho and locks in a Boston Crab. And uh, Rhea is able to escape, and they both trade quick pins on the mat, like one, two. They roll into another roll up, one, two. It transitions here and there. A uh, big boot from Rhea connects, but Charlotte is able to kick out. The two then get to the top rope in battle, but Rhea is sent crashing down to the mat. Charlotte goes for a moonsault, but it is countered, and, uh, well, not really quite countered, like, uh, Rhea moves out of the way, and Charlotte lands on her feet, and kind of catches her own momentum, and upon landing, decides to do a spear, and she actually catches Rhea with a spear off of landing the moonsault. Um, the figure eight is then locked in by Charlotte. And Rhea struggles and struggles and struggles, fights and fights and fights. Charlotte bridges more and more and more. And Charlotte gets the submission victory to win the NXT Women's title for the second time in her career. Uh, I thought... I loved, mm-hmm. uh, I loved how, like, ev- like, you know, just bridging the figure, right? The more and more, like, mm-hmm. Charlotte was elevating the, her, like, her legs. You can see in Rhea's uh, face that she was just, like in so much pain like and it yeah and it more was and more because they worked the knee and everything it was it was really well done it was like an old school bret hart or rick flair style match where they literally they mm-hmm. go for the leg they beat down the leg they beat down the leg they get in the submission and finally after fighting 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 and destroying the leg the submission gets them the victory after targeting the leg for the whole match uh i don't know about charlotte being nxt women's champion at this point in her career maybe if she's going back there to maybe elevate the brand by you know, kind of pulling a Finn Balor. I don't know if that's what they're... I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly what you just said. It's pulling a Finn Balor. Um, just think of how many, like, great, like, dream matches now there can be with Charlotte, you know, and she's mm-hmm. bringing the NXT name back up, uh, in my opinion. Because, like, huh, if she's not going for the Raw or Women's... Uh, I'm sorry, the Raw or the SmackDown Women's belt, she's going for NXT. What's this NXT, you know, to the casual viewers? Now you're going to see Charlotte, you know, dish it out in NXT again. And see like how high caliber NXT can really deliver. Yeah, I just I, I just don't know. Like it feels like Rhea just got that belt. You know, she was just kind of she had yeah, one title defense and was still yeah. kind of fresh. And I don't know how I feel about them. But taking it off I or am so early. I'm in for a rematch though. Uh, after that match, oh yeah, with uh, Rhea, like she came so close. In my opinion, it's just that you know Shell has been working the leg. And Rhea could just, I guess, learn from her mistakes. And then in the rematch, they could just have her, you know, have mental notes taken and then uh, steal the belt. Yeah, maybe they could trade title wins or something. Or it could be like a long program for redemption for Rhea getting her win back or whatever. I mean, there's a million ways you could take this thing. 
Yeah, after which way is it what went I like down. most about this. Yeah, yeah, I still think like Rhea kind of being the only NXT champion to ever like compete at WrestleMania, it would have been cool for that NXT grown star to beat the the highly decorated champion that is Charlotte Flair. I think it would have done wonders for Rhea, but maybe they are telling a long-term story. I don't really quite like the result, but it was a, a, a great opener to start the show, I thought. I give this a, a thumb and a half. You gave, oh, you gave it a thumb and a half? I gave it two thumbs up for this one. Two My, thumbs up? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. From your... Yeah negatives is still two thumbs up so that's well again just a a bad in my opinion a bad winner doesn't negate the work that they did before the the result was given right so like even though i didn't like the result too much i did very much enjoy the action so and i will dare say that as far as a pure wrestling match is concerned i'm just gonna go out and say it now i think this was the best pure wrestling match of the show Uh, 100 percent, it was so that's that and uh, we now go on to uh, Alistair Black against Bobby Lashley. So this was the second match of the night. So Bobby w- was here for the taping after all. We were unsure. But they, yeah. since they kept advertising it, it seemed like very much that he did make it. It was just a rumor going around that uh, he was in quarantine during it. Very much a part of the show. So they grapple a bit. Lashley overpowers uh, Black. Lashley's then sent to the outside. And uh, Black goes for his uh, moonsault to the floor. But he misses and then runs right into getting suplexed by Lashley on the outside. He just tosses this dude. Um, Lashley continues to wear Alistair Black down with some holds. You know, get the old heat from the the almighty here. Uh, Lashley continues to outpower Black at every move. He uh, Lashley hits a neck breaker. Um, Alistair then uh, counters Lashley's standing vertical suplex twice to gain the upper hand. So Bobby basically picked Alistair up and, and did that like standing thing where he just kind of holds the guy there for a while. But um, Alistair kind of fought out of it successfully twice uh, until he ran into a power slam from Lashley. Then finally, Bobby got his suplex in after hitting the power slam. Um, Alistair Black then catches Lashley with a quick kick for a two count. Alistair with a bunch of uh, strikes and a leg sweep, um, then a knee strike and a moonsault to the outside in succession. Uh, Lashley with a running cross body or like big barricade thing, kind of like like a pounce. He just runs at oh yeah at Alistair cool. and uh, beats him down some more. And then uh, Lashley is uh, basically he's he's beating down Alistair Black and he's gonna hit some other move. I think he was going for the Dominator or something. And then Lana just pipes up. And goes, no, finish him with a spear, or do, do something else, do something else, do like a move that's better, or whatever. She's, she's saying, what you're doing is not good enough, you should do a different, more impactful move. So Lashley stops beating on Alistair Black to cockily set up a spear in the corner. And as Alistair Black gets up, Lashley runs at him, and then he gets caught with the black mass and pinned. So, so what's the what's the dominator like? What is how does that go? So he lifts the guy on his shoulder and then like forward slams him to the mat. Like he kind of lifts oh. him up, like in a gut wrench, and then slams him forward. You, I've seen you. You probably seen Lashley use that move before. I'm sure, right? Like he lifts the guy up on, yeah, over his shoulder, then he then he slams him, him forward. He was going for some sort of power move, and Lana said, "No, you know, a spear would be better. You should hit the spear." And so the dummy listens to her and cockily sets up a spear and, and got kicked for his troubles. So at least the heel was the dumbass in uh, in this finish. So uh, I thought this was a, an average match. Thumbs in the middle for this one. I didn't think much of it, but it wasn't yeah, bad. It's, it was, yeah, thumbs in the middle. It's just a 
regular like raw show for me. Yeah, it was a, a TV match here on pay per view, but I guess you could expect a lot of those with uh, you know with no crowd and, and all that. But yeah, even then, even if you were to factor in a crowd, I wouldn't think that much more different of this match. Yeah, not at all. It's just a regular like oh, okay. It's it's like what feud have they had? You know, they've just had. They a, didn't. There's been yeah, they're just thrown together and then uh, black mass out of nowhere. So yeah, I mean I. Alistair gets a win, which is not bad in my book. Yeah, and I mean, technically gets a WrestleMania win, and he has been winning. I mean, they've been booking him pretty solid for the last few months. So yeah, yeah. Anything, I, I still respect that. Yeah, so that, that's good. He's a, he's a Paul Heyman project, and Paul Heyman's taking pretty good care of him so far. I'm just wondering what are they going to book him for, because like he's been in the roster for a while, you know, teaming with Ricochet and then having these weird, like, door promos. So it's just... Yeah, he's had the unfortunate thing that they wanted him to be a tag team with Ricochet, but then they seen that there was potential in him as a single. But since oh, he... both of them, they're, yeah, they're both like great on their own. Yeah. And... So then he wanted to be on the same brand as Zelina. So they shipped Zelina with Andrade to SmackDown. So Alistair all of a sudden went to SmackDown in a su- superstar shakeup, and then they had him cut a bunch of promos, only to hit lead to him having a, a really good match with Cesaro last summer. And then all of a sudden he was off TV forever, and then Andrade and Zelina get sent to Raw. So, of course, Alistair Black follows Zelina back over to Raw, and they, again, for months, have him cut a bunch of promos and, and vignettes, and then eventually he did uh, debut, and he's been on Raw since. But he had, like, so many stop-and-start debuts. It's like he debuted here for a while, they took him off TV. He re-debuted here, they took him off TV. It was like he, like, did three brand switches in the last year, so... Uh, this one's seeming to stick for a while, though, because at least he's been on Raw for at least, like, half a year now. <laughs> It's more than I could say about his um, first Raw stint and his SmackDown stint. So, uh, hopefully some big things for him in the future. Paul Heyman is very high on him, and it's been showing through the booking. Uh, next yeah, next match is Otis versus Dolph. And uh, so, Otis comes out, and and Dolph is out. I think Dolph actually came out first, and then Otis yeah, came Dolph out. Yeah, Dolph came out. And then Otis just takes the fight to, to Dolph right away. Then... Yeah, then he then Dolph hits a super kick literally out of nowhere and uh, drives Otis into the ring post afterwards. Um, you know, Ziggler continues the offense with a drop kick and Dolph connects with a neck breaker. He wears down Otis with like a, a sleeper and then Otis counters uh, Dolph with a slingshot into the turnbuckle. Otis then proceeds to, and I'm not kidding, he proceeds to Hulk up. And make a comeback with clotheslines. Like, Dolph was punching him, and he was, like, getting fired up. Every shot Dolph would hit him with, he would just, like, do the, the Hogan or Ultimate Warrior swinging of the arms and beating of the chest with every, like, punch and kick he took. And then he did a bunch of clotheslines to Dolph and uh, hit him with a slam. Um, uh, he then steps on Ziggler's back for the the old Big Show spot there where the guy lays uh, by the bottom rope and... The bigger guy steps on, like, the spinal cord, and you hear Dolph go, ah, when, with Otis's weight on him. And then uh, Otis then proceeded to whip Dolph into the corner three times in, like, three different corners. And uh, he then dumped Dolph to the outside and threw him into the barricade and then into the ring post. So Otis firmly in control of this match. And then Otis uh, brings it back into the ring with a huge compactor slam and starts feeling it. Goes for the Caterpillar dance, and then Sonya, who came out with Dolph, uh, provides a distraction uh, for Otis and the referee. And while the referee is back turned, Dolph Ziggler hits a nasty, nasty low blow. 
Uh, but then all of a sudden, Mandy's music hits, and Sonya tries to, like, I guess get forgiveness or whatever, but then her and Mandy start a brawl after Mandy just slaps the, the shit out of her. Uh, somehow, the ref became distracted with Otis, and Mandy snuck in the ring and gave Dolph a low blow, so I guess uh, he reaped what he sowed there. And then Otis does the, the old caterpillar dance into a big elbow drop for the win. And that was that. Again, another average match on the show. I gave it very much thumbs in the middle. I expected more, and I didn't get much. You expected more? I did. I expected, like, maybe a little more athleticism. I expected it maybe to be a little bit more long. It's got a lot of build going into it. I thought it might have been one of those sleeper matches, but uh, it was Mm. anything but. I don't know. You had different expectations than I did going into this thing. I felt like this is exactly what I like imagine it to be. Like it's a it's more story driven than, you know, in ring performance. So it's like another I guess like Chris uh Chris Jericho was his name, Christian and uh Tristratus stuff. It's, you know, the whole romance thing and then in the end, uh the heel gets their come up it's which was what Chris Jericho, I think. So that's uh that's Dolph Ziggler in this opinion or in this um situation and then, you know, Otis gets the big happy kiss with Mandy, so it's yeah, just celebrates a with, moment. Yep, celebrates with her on the ramp. And how long has this uh, program been going, uh, this whole Otis-Mandy uh, thing? I think it's been going for like two months, two, three months now. No, this was before uh, before the year uh, started. I mean, I like... mean, since Dolph's involvement in it. I oh, it, Dolph's yeah. involvement. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like overall. Overall, it's remember. been going on for a long time. Yeah, so finally, you know, Otis gets the girl and... They, they kissed and everything. Um, this is exactly what I imagined it to be. Um, I was really hoping that the the hacker thing would be, uh, the hacker gimmick would be uh, revealed, but no. Uh, they just revealed some weird videos. Yeah, um, isn't Smackdown, it? It's interesting that the hacker thing is hacker um, related gimmick. to this storyline because for a while it was very ambiguous. You would just see like these these glitch things pop up in, in graphics. But we had no idea that it ended up being tied to this storyline. Yeah, even in NXT, it was showing up. It's just, yeah, I was just confused. Like, oh, is who's this going to be? Where is he going to mm-hmm. debut? And nothing after SmackDown, I guess. So it's still going to go on. Maybe he's going to be involved, or she is going to be involved in other feuds. Who knows? But uh, yeah, they could keep I that guess. thing being a mystery for a while if they wanted to. I guess. Yeah. Um, other than that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really surprised about the outcome or the match at all. And I did find it interesting that Sonya came out with Dolph. Um, I I mean, how long have they been, like, I guess, together as a, well, a duo? Well, on, on SmackDown this week, they were appeared to have been in cahoots to ruin yeah. Otis. The hacker showed that, right? So they showed that yeah. they were in cahoots to ruin that date for Otis and Mandy. So I guess since the jig was up, they just decided to be to a union. Together. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Interesting. Yeah. Um, nothing too bad. Uh, better than the. Uh, I guess I was more invested since you know it's been a prolonged thing. So I was more invested than the uh, Lashley. Oh, that's for sure. So program. Was I. So um, this is a that's a thumb up, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's at least it had the thing. the right winner. I yeah. can't disagree with uh, having Otis go over. I thought that was the right move to make. I mean, it's been a long story. You gotta let the good guys win sometime. You know what I'm saying? So like, that 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 I found to be a positive. 
So then next we had the last man standing match between Edge and Randy Orton. Now this seems to be the match that everybody actually actually I'm the only one who has the differing opinion. Everybody thought this was way too long and drawn out and I, was I guess snoozing. I guess Sorry. just boring. <laughs> I guess people just found it boring, but since I'm a Canadian and it's Edge's first big time pay-per-view match in nearly a decade, I paid full attention to this thing and was thoroughly sports entertained but i know i'm the only one who thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed this i am not saying that my opinion needs to be repeated i'm not saying my opinion is right in fact that's a good thing you know right? i don't it's need to say that i don't need to say anybody who didn't like it is wrong but i am well aware that i am probably the only person who really enjoyed this thing so I mean, as, that makes me happy in the end you know that someone uh was more than uh invested in um who got a really good uh outcome which is you so that makes me a bit happy yeah so i mean at least you found somebody who enjoyed the this log yeah, as a lot of it wasn't it wasn't bad at all it's just it took too long like it took too long 40 like, minutes is a long time to devote to something i mean there have been matches that have been you know longer but it felt quicker and then the breeze but we'll we'll get to that i guess we yeah, can go through it real quick we'll, we'll get to it so edge comes out and he, he's waiting intensely. He's waiting in the ring, waiting in the ring. Randy Orton's music hits. And Edge is waiting. And Orton never comes out, but his music keeps playing. So Edge is just waiting there for him. Then all of a sudden, Orton pops in the ring and, and nails Edge with an RKO. Now, we didn't know where he came from at first, but they showed a, a different camera angle. And he was posing in disguise as a, cameraman, yeah. as a cameraman. <laughs> And that's how just, he was able to get in the ring so fast and, and RKO Edge literally out of nowhere. Just think about, like, how he was able to, like, pull that off. Like, okay, he had to get the clothes and the camera. Like, just think about, like, the background on how he had to get in that position. Like, who did he talk to? Like, did he have to RKO someone else to get that camera? You know, Yeah, he might have. He might have. So, that, that was funny. I like that. Yeah, or maybe he punted the dude and stole his camera or whatever. I don't know. Who knows how no. Orton got there? He he poses a cameraman until yeah, uh, I like that start. Yeah, yeah. Was he shooting the the rest of the matches before the Edge match? Like, was he just chilling there with the camera, shooting the Otis match, shooting? Ooh, the, who knows? The, yeah, <laughs> you know. So was he there the whole time? We don't know. But anyway, um, Orton then delivers another RKO in the ring, and the referee is asking Edge like, "Are you okay? Are you good? Are you good?" And he says, "Yes, yes, I am." So, anyway, what happened was, is immediately after the bell rang, Orton delivered uh, an RKO after the match became official. And then they, they spilled to the outside, and Orton grabs a camera. Now, if anybody knows Edge's history, and particularly his feud with The Undertaker from, like, 12 years ago, Edge used the camera um, multiple times to screw The Undertaker out of the World Heavyweight Championship. And here is Randy Orton using a camera on Edge as a offensive weapon to get the advantage on Edge and trying to beat him in his WrestleMania comeback. So I don't know if they meant for that to be kind of like a callback to a former weapon I that Edge used. That. So that was uh, some new information. Yeah, so like I might be the only nerd to have picked up on that, uh, if that was even intentional. Like they could have just been using a camera with no thought of Edge using it back uh, in the old Undertaker feud, but it was something I did pick up on. So Orton continues to beat the hell out of Edge. They go backstage. They then go into a gym area, and Orton continues his, his beatdown of Edge. Um, he, he batters Edge, and then he like... 
I, I don't know what these things are, but they were like these the little like tether things that were hanging from this uh, like I gym machine. I think people machine. use that for like yeah. Like, I think gymnasts use that to do like weird like like poses and and yeah, stuff yeah. and stretches. So anyway, uh, Orton hangs basically hangs Edge in this thing and uh, beats him up with it. Was he hanging him or was that a submission hole? I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, like, well, I, I mean, he he basically like just like tangled him in it, so he couldn't really move, so he could like just punch punch him. So he had him like all caught up in this 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 gym equipment, and then Edge ends up using the gym equipment to his advantage, and he like he he uses like the the the, the pull up bar to like lay into Orton some kicks, and then he sits Orton in an office chair, and once again goes to the pull up bar and lunges onto Orton with like a Rey Mysterio seated senton. That, oh yeah, uh, that, was, bring, that was cool. Yeah, that brings them to the ground. Uh, Edge. Uh, talks some trash to Orton and continues to clobber him. Orton reverses Edge's Irish whip attempt into one of his own, into some lockers that were in the gym. Orton attempts to crush Edge with this weight sled, but Edge moves out of the way and uh, the, the weight sled just misses and they begin to brawl again. Orton is uh, slammed into a weight set. Orton then tries to run away, but Edge catches up to him and they brawl to a completely different area of the performance center. Um, Edge then slams Orton into, like, this garage door thing. It was, like, a bunch of red lighting. It was, like, this... It'd be, like, a door where, like, a bunch of trucks would go to, like, unload equipment. So Orton's head gets uh, slammed into that. The two brawl back to uh, the ringside area, and Orton throws Edge neckfirst into the barricade, so they sell that. They, again, brawl backstage, uh, towards the backstage area again, and Orton slams Edge head first off a window, then off a wall. Edge takes advantage of a boardroom of sorts that they end up stumbling into. And Edge throws Orton onto this gigantic, like, table that I guess would be used for, like, conference uh, meetings or whatever. Like, a bunch of boardroom people would sit at it. It's this big, giant office table. And uh, Edge then climbs up on this, like... It's like the fencing you would see for, like, a cage or a fence. Like, a weird, like, Spider-Man yeah. thing. Yeah, he did, like, a Spider-Man thing where he climbed up this, this like, this, this chain link that was on the roof or on the ceiling, and then it proceeded to do an elbow drop onto Orton, who was on the, the boardroom table. And uh, after this, Orton throws Edge into a bunch of different posters on the wall outside of this conference room. So you see a Knight of Champions poster, Edge's head goes into it. You see a Hell in a Cell poster, Orton throws Edge's head into it. It's a bunch of these framed posters on the wall that Edge's head uh, went and got thrown into. Uh, they then brawl into a storage room, which is where the rest of the match would end up taking place. And Edge throws Orton into a ladder. Orton suckers Edge in for a couple cheap shots and uh, slams him off an equipment case. So many of those equipment cases, you always see them backstage in WWE, and this was a whole storage room full of these equipment cases. Uh, the brawl continues in the storage room as Orton gets the upper hand. After Edge barely survived a count of 10 from Orton beating him up, Orton, guess what, beats him up some more. And uh, Orton stomps on the hand of Edge and just continues to brutalize him. So Orton feels he's very much in control of this match and decides to cool himself down with a water bottle. I guess he was getting a little uh, heated uh, through many, many Orton stomps and uh, on the hand and, and leg. So he cools himself down with a, a refreshing bottle of water. And uh, Edge then cranked Orton with a shot and hits his leg with like a, a sandbag or some sort of like weighted bag. And uh, Orton goes down. Edge gets control with a kick to the gut. Both men sell the effects of their beating. 
They're kind of collapsing. They've been fighting forever. Uh, I like the way Edge sold his neck. He would kind of like go on all fours, hold his neck, and he would also twitch like his hands to show that there oh, be, yeah. if there was any feeling there. Now, like again, it's effect yeah. it's effective because you know he has legitimate neck issues, and you go, oh shit, like is he really hurt? So that, at that point, I'm like, oh boy. And at the same time, Orton is grasping in pain, and, and they're both just selling the effects of a war. Uh, Edge batters Orton on a, a table that was in the this uh, storage room. And then Edge, fresh off his WWE 24 interview about talking how he's going to take things easy and he's not going to do crazy gimmick stuff, climbs up a ladder to the top of the shelving area and drops a gigantic elbow drop onto Orton <laughs> from a very high distance. He was really high up there. That, you know, he says one thing and does another. And uh, both men somehow, I don't know how, but they got both got to their feet after that. And Orton, as the heel, tries to scurry away. And then he ends up gaining the advantage by playing possum and delivers some shots to Edge. And then Orton continues to beat down Edge with uppercuts, and then he batters him off the back of a truck. Um, Edge is selling uh, this beatdown big time, and he's driven into the truck some more. So every time Edge's head gets thrown in there, he kind of acts like he's half knocked out. His eyes are glazed. He gets thrown into the back of the truck again by Orton. And then both uh, go on top of the truck, and then Orton ends up giving the draping DDT to Edge in on the back of the pickup. And both men are down. They're selling. It's amazing because you you believe that both guys would be tired and fucking half dead through what they've been through already. So that was at least believable to me that they're just wincing and, and wheezing and you can hear every every gasp. Um, Edge climbs up some equipment cases to get to the top of this humongous production truck. Um, still selling his neck and checking for the feeling of his arms. And Orton slowly and in much pain follows Edge up to the production truck. And Orton seemingly has Edge where he wants him, sets him up for the classic Orton punt. And as he goes for it, he gets speared out of his boots atop of the production truck. So Edge counters the the uh, punt attempt into his spear. Uh, both men get up right at the count of seven out of the ten count. And then Edge eats an RKO on top of this production truck. Orton then climbs down from the production truck as, as Edge barely breaks the count of ten. He got up at nine. One second more and he'd have, he'd have lost the match. And then uh, Edge proceeds to collapse and the ref begins the count all over again. Orton collects some steel chairs and brings them up to the production truck with him. He takes out Edge with a chair shot to the back. Orton sets up Edge for a concerto, which is... What started this whole feud to begin with when Orton gave it to uh, gave a concerto to Edge the night after the Royal Rumble. And uh, as he's setting up Edge for this concerto, he says, Don't worry, Edge. You're going to be back with your girls soon. You're going to be back with your girls. Because, uh, you see, Edge is not going to be able to wrestle ever again after taking mm -hmm. this next concerto. So Orton ends up uh, going for it. But in the few seconds that he does, he has to raise up the chair, Edge gets him in this chokehold. It's kind of like Jake Hager's choke that he uh, used to um, submit Dustin Rhodes at that Revolution pay-per-view. That standing, like, arm... I, I can't really describe it very well. It's like a weird, yeah. like... I don't know. Like, I don't want to say it's a Cobra Clutch, but it's, it's, it's somewhere... It's not. It's like... It's like, it's, it's like I can't describe it. It's like if you bear-hugged a guy's neck and arm in, like, the same hold. 
is basically what it kind of looks like. It's like it's like choke with holding the the arm tight to a person's neck. So Edge gets that submission, and uh, he holds it into Orton until Orton seemingly passes out. Uh, the ref begins to count, and Edge just like swears at him and tells him to stop. Did they bleep? Is that they did? They did bleep. Okay. It. All right. Cool. Because like. I didn't know if I heard that from, like, my laptop or from, like, a TV, like, around my house. But, no, that that did come from uh, yeah, Edge. Yeah, that was a swear from Edge that got bleeped. So, with Orton passed out from the submission on the chair, Edge sees this opportunity, and he wants to give Orton a concerto like Orton did to him. But Edge feels like this would be a horrible thing for him to do. Who knows? It may be... His family's watching, or who knows? This is a, That'd be an evil thing for him to do, and he's conflicted, and he's fighting with himself. I mean, Randy was his friend for all those years, and even though he did do something horrible to him, I don't know if Edge feels like, as the person he is today, he can do something that horrible. So he fights with himself, he fights with himself, he, he holds back some tears, but then he says, fuck it. Not really, but figuratively. And then he hits Orton with a vicious concerto. And Edge stares down Orton as Orton rides in pain and flinches from getting destroyed. The ref counts to ten, and Edge is the winner. Again, I thought the storytelling was amazing. I thought that they used the Performance Center to the best that anybody could use it. I mean, they used the venue to the absolute max. It was like a big part of the gimmick, and I thought it added to the match. Again, I that's a, a lot of people will disagree with me. I've heard a lot of criticism about that, that it was just... They said, well, thanks for the tour of the Performance Center. I'm like, That's yeah. what I was thinking. You know? I feel like this entire match was to let viewers know, like, hey, um, this is the Performance Center. Yeah, here's uh, the different angles. Where all our, yeah. uh, trainees come to become superstars. Mm. So... Um, other than that, it was weird that uh the ref whenever Orton was gonna do something vicious, he's like, "Come on, Randy, don't, 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 don't do this, man. He, he has he has a family." I'm like, yeah, and Randy the doesn't. Hell he wants to do, you know, and Randy doesn't. He can I'm pretty sure he's got kids him, too. or he can do a concerto, you know. So is I don't know what the ref was uh thinking. I think I tuned said, the ref out for this a, match. To funny. be honest, I think I tuned him out. I, I didn't notice him as much. I think I was just more focused on what the guys were doing that I was just completely spacing out on what the ref was saying or not really paying attention. But uh, I thought this was this was a great empty arena type match. Um, I, I again, I am probably the only person who's thinking that because I've seen the the people's reaction to this and they they thought it was an overly long slog that uh, just was I guess a little little too boring for most of their taste but i i thoroughly enjoyed it it gets two thumbs up from me and i thought it was uh i thought it was the best thing on the show Let's but see, the match was like what 30 something minutes i think it was like 40 minutes total yeah i feel like if they cut it down maybe 10 to 15 minutes it would uh i guess it would have delivered the same message just saved us some time um, I found it weird that they were on top of the truck in the end. Like, I thought there was going to be a high spot where, I don't know, Edge would spear Orton off both of them mm-hmm. falling, and then uh, it would just end there. That'd be a good climax. Or not climax, um, ending, but... Um, they just ended the concerto stuff at the top, and I'm like, um... They would have done the same thing on the floor, so it was weird that they were on top of this weird truck. Um... Yeah, it was too long for me. I was really, really bored. I mean, for me, I already knew the Performance Center in and out. 
um, from all these documentaries and, uh, you know, different type of programs they have on the 90, uh, 999 WWE Network. So um, it's... Uh, it was just a, a snooze for me. I can't really rate this because I was really paying attention in the end, which got me hooked back in. But um, two thumbs up for you. I'll just say it's a... It was right in the end, so I'll just say it's a, a thumb up. It was the right winner, right ending, and right atmosphere. Like, nothing nothing really wrong uh, they've done. Uh, I think Edge and Orton did a hell of a performance, but other than that, it was just too long. Yeah, I just think it was cool that, you know, yeah, you've seen the Performance Center, but have you ever seen it used as a weapon? Um, yes, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Champa and Gargano, like, some NXT episode, like, a couple... Oh, uh, yeah, but they didn't They didn't go... All, I don't think they... Oh, I guess they kind of did go all over the building, eh? With, uh... But it wasn't in a match. I guess it was, like, for a no, brawl, No, it was but... just hectic in a, a brawl. But, yeah. Um, was Triple H somewhere around there, like, in an office? I don't remember. I just remember, like, one of them was in a boardroom, and then, yeah, Gargano was in the boardroom, and then Ciampa just knows he was in the boardroom and went to the boardroom. Oh, board no, I, I meant, like, like, in this match, the, um... Oh, and Edge and Orton, Orton, if I he felt was... like I felt like I saw, like, Triple H in the back somewhere in an office, but I don't know. I don't know. I, if, I didn't notice him if he was there, I, so... I barely paid attention, I think, around that time, but I thought I saw him. Uh, yes, I know. I'm the only one that's going to give this a roaring thing of approval, but uh, I very much enjoyed this. Which isn't but, bad. Which but is wrestling, bad wrestling's subjective, right? Like, we all like Indeed. and dislike different things. So, that was that, and uh, we move on to the Raw Tag Team Championship match. The Street Profits taking on the quickest man to rise to WrestleMania fame, Austin Theory. <laughs> Austin Theory. And uh, Angel Garza. The storyline being that Zelina Vega has brought them over from NXT to be a part of her entourage since... She's brought Andrade great success. She thinks that she can also do the same for Austin Theory and Angel Garza. But really, both guys just ended up getting called up so Zelina could have something to do because Andrade either got suspended or got hurt in both. I think he's hurt. Well, he's hurt for the Theory thing, but he was suspended, which led to Garza being called up. Oh, yeah, that was, like, yeah. a while. Like, yeah, a well, but what I mean ago. is that both men benefited and got a spot because, oh, yeah, because, uh, because of, of Andrade's unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. So they can thank him for that. Sucky. So Dawkins and Ford do some uh, some team offense to Theory to start things off. Then Garza hits a super kick on Dawkins on the outside, and uh, Garza's then tagged into the match. Um, uh, so then yeah, he uh, he gets in and he drop kicks Dawkins in the ring. Uh, some nice athleticism from Theory. He does a couple leapfrogs and uh, some nice like cartwheel and like flip flippy things. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. As he, he does that to tag in uh, Angel Garza back into the ring. Dawkins tags in Ford, who runs wild on Garza with uh, a standing star press. That's always a fancy little move. Uh, DDT by Ford on Garza, which is then broken up by Theory. Ford with a dive onto Theory and his own partner. I think Dawkins got that the worst dumb. of it. I, yeah, I was I was like, you know, if it's a whole crowd of people, it makes sense because you know, a big dive or whatever. But it's just your opponent and your partner. I'm like, wow, you're gonna take both. And not to mention, it looked like he he hit like Dawkins more. It looked like Dawkins yeah. got the worst. But so like you you hurt your own partner going for a fancy like flip. I don't know. I thought that was a little silly, but. Uh, it was- Garza then hits a moonsault on both Street Profits. So, really, if you think about it, uh, Montez Ford basically hurt Dawkins and then set them both up to get a move from Garza, if you think about it. 
So Garza then gets uh, Ford back in the ring and does the quebrada, a.k.a. a springboard moonsault, the lion salt, if you will, on Ford in the ring. Dawkins tags in and pretty much gets immediately TKO'd by Austin Theory. But as Theory goes for the cover, Ford drops on top of him with a frog splash out of nowhere. And then Angelo Dawkins just rolls into the cover on Austin Theory to win. And the Street Profits retain the Raw Tag Team titles. It was a decent match with some impressive athletics, I guess. I mean, it was a fun little sprint. I gave it a thumb up to thumb in the middle. What do you think? Um, I mean, it's, uh, for the, you know, it's the party break match, you know, you can't really blame them for, like, how short this was going to go, and, you know, it's just thrown in together out of nowhere, as we said before, so, um, decent match, um, and really well for what they're given, so I give them a, a thumb and a, a quarter, Yeah. and, um, yeah, just great athleticism, and they were... St- they were still able to, I guess, hype up the audience, you know, yeah, when there's an empty so, arena. Again. And then what's her name? Uh, Bianca Davis. Yeah, I was I just guess. about to mention that. So Garza and Theory end up attacking the Street Profits after the match. They beat them down a bit. And then uh, Zelina gets in the ring and starts slapping around. I think it was Dawkins. Or maybe it was Ford. It was one of the Street Profits. She ends up just paintbrushing him with a bunch of slaps. And then Bianca Belair, of all people, comes out to... Uh, make the save, and she attacks Zelina, and the Street Profits end up tossing Theory and, and Garza out of the ring, and they get the, the babyface to do the big comeback. And then Zelina Vega gets hit with a, a KOD from the EST of Raw now? I don't know. Maybe. Um, Seemed like a call-up. Well, they said she's from NXT, but, I mean, who knows, because... I mean, Austin Theory is there at WrestleMania. I mean, we all know he's not going to be on Raw, you know? So, uh, we don't know if... Uh, What's her name? If uh, Bianca's going to stay in NXT or not, because I mean, I think she's ready, but I think she still has some like accomplishments she needs to do in NXT, like win the damn belt. And then I I think she's ready. Right. Well, it felt like a call up to me, but we'll see in in coming weeks. And to be fair, I guess we'll get about that earlier, but I don't know what kind of programming is going to be happening. Did they tape? A month's worth of stuff that can keep airing for the next couple of weeks. I, I, I don't have know. no idea. I feel like they, I feel like they taped just in time and just enough for WrestleMania. That's what I feel yeah, like. So I don't know what they're going to do. All this you know, quarantine stuff, like going more rampant. So I don't know what they're um, going to do. I guess we'll we'll find out tomorrow night. Yep. Um. So next was the fatal five way elimination match for the. SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey defending against Lacey Evans, Naomi, uh, Tamina, and Sasha Banks. I had cold feet going into this. Like after that tag team match, like wow, it's a uh, it's another it's another break match. Yeah, but, uh, they proved me wrong. Yes, this uh, this definitely overperformed. May I also note that even at the Performance Center, Naomi's entrance looked rad. I always think her entrance is, is pretty cool and, and Oh trippy. yeah, one of the best entrances yeah. of the this era. So it still looked good even at the performance center, so I thought I'd put that over before going on. So everyone goes after Tamina and she for a while fights off all four other women. Then they all take her out with a series of drop kicks. Uh Lacey goes after Bailey, then after she takes out Bailey for a bit, then she, you know, starts fighting Sasha. Some double team offense by Bailey and Sasha on Lacey. And then Naomi gets uh, in there to help Lacey out. Lacey and Naomi um, kind of go after each other for a little while, a little babyface sportsmanship between the two of them, you know, because every woman has a chance to win the belt, right? So they kind of go after each other before they both get clotheslined by Tamina. 
Tamina then again runs wild on all the women. She does like a hip attack in the corner on uh, Lacey and Naomi. The big like like what, what would you call that? Like an ass splash. It's like that old like Rikishi from who? From uh, uh, Tamina, Tamina. Yeah, the the big like big the Usos do it. The the person lays there in the corner and uh, oh did she just, oh she just like did like a, a hip it, attack. Or yeah, it's like a hip attack in the corner. That's that's how I classified it. So she does yeah. that to uh, Lacey and Naomi who are stacked up together in the corner. Uh, Tamina then beats each woman down slowly and methodically. Then uh, she lifts Bailey up for a Samoan drop, and Sasha saves Bailey. Then all of a sudden, you you see the most obscure reference ever. Team Bad is mentioned on commentary, and then they all do like a Team Bad sign. So when Sasha oh, yeah. was first called up That's in funny. 2015, she was put in a stable with Tamina and Naomi, which is so obscure that probably nobody's going to remember that in 2020, even though it was only five years ago, but they, they do like a, a reference to it. They all hold up like the, 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 the sign. And then, uh, it's, it's also weird that they, well, they also call it back in uh, SmackDown, um, with only Sasha Banks and Tamina actually. And then yeah. Sasha Banks was like oh, unit unity. And then Tamina just like, I guess did a Samoan drop. And then, um, even Michael Cole was like, "Oh, trying to bring back the the unity days of a team bad." And then that's just it's so. Kind of, it's just weird that Tamina was the first one to bring back uh, the unity fist when obviously she didn't care about it on SmackDown. I guess so maybe they the thought since part. nobody watched SmackDown, they just got to do it again at WrestleMania. Maybe. I, I just thought it was a weird callback that Tamina did it. Yeah, it was for, actually I mean, uh, that it first. And, in SmackDown. Yeah, well, the, the fact that they would call out that stable of, at all is just... It, that in itself is an obscure reference, in my opinion. But they did it. And... Yeah, so, it was weird. It was, what, it was bad PCB and... And uh, then the Bellas. Who were they with? Uh, it was, like, Nikki, Bree, and then Alicia Fox was with them for oh, whatever reason. Oh, if you yeah, remember. that's why yeah, I care. Yeah. it was those three. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, and they tried to make it like this big female thing, and then they tried to push it, but they pushed it so corporately. The divas uh, revolution. Yeah, right? yeah, it was it 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 was a time. Thank God they got past that. But anyway, we've talked enough about the the most obscure reference of uh, WrestleMania 36. So then after this, Tamina takes out Sasha, and then she uh, attempts to take out Naomi with a power move, but Naomi f- does like a counter into this like flip stunner on Tamina. Uh, Tamina then falls into the ropes, and Sasha pulls out a 619. I guess keeping uh, Rey Mysterio in everybody's thoughts at WrestleMania. Bailey then uh, hits an elbow drop on Tamina from the top. Sasha, uh, you know, with uh, Eddie Guerrero in mind, hits a frog splash on Tamina. Lacey with her, what would you call that, double jump moonsault? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hits... I don't know if they gave it a name, but yeah, she does, yeah, like, I think it's really cool. She does like a, she jumps from behind and then flips into a moonsault from the top. That takes she, a lot of uh, yeah, balance too. Yeah. So I, I give her props every time she pulls it off. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen her botch it yet, so it's uh, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. So she hit that on Tamina, and then Naomi hit uh, her split-legged moonsault on Tamina, and then all the ladies together pinned Tamina to eliminate her. So that's the first elimination of the match. Bailey beats down both Lacey and Naomi at ringside, with, uh, and they drives them into the apron. Uh, Naomi kicks out of Bailey's pin attempt and gets beat down in the corner. Uh, a double team again from Sasha and Bailey on Naomi. Naomi gets the upper hand and nearly pulls out a double pin on both Bailey and Sasha. 
Uh, Naomi then counters. Wait, wait, that was a two count, which is really yeah. perplexing. Like, yeah. if you're going to use one arm per, like, I guess, wrestler, you should, like, divide that count of two, you know? So one count, they kick out, but no, they kicked out at two. Yeah, they both did. Yeah. But what? It, but, but I guess it's kind of impressive because Naomi almost pinned two women at the same time. Yeah, it, that would have been a first. Yeah, but it, it did not happen. They both kicked out. Uh, Naomi then counters, uh, I guess, Bailey's suplex attempt into another reverse stunner. Uh, Naomi gets Sasha in her submission. I forget what they call it. Who's Sasha? No, Naomi's uh, submission. Naomi's? Oh, yeah. It kind of looks like the thing that, like, Pac uses. It's kind of like oh, the brutalizer. The, uh, the... But Realize. not quite. It kind of looks similar. But so she got Sasha in that. But of course, Sasha's saved by Bailey. And then immediately after this, Sasha locks in the bank the bank statement on Naomi and submits her for the second elimination of the match. And now Lacey is all alone against both Bailey and Sasha, and she falls victim to the double team. Sasha and Bailey go for a double pin, but Lacey, the the superwoman, kicks out. Bailey then accidentally knees Sasha, going for Lacey. Lacey just got out of the way, and uh, Sasha ate uh, Bailey's running knee in the corner. Lacey almost gets a few uh, roll-up pins on Bailey for you know a couple two counts. Uh, Bailey then gains the upper hand, but then uh, Sasha gets in her face and is is mad that she took a knee. And then during this uh, kerfuffle, Sasha turns into a woman's right from uh, oh Lacey, God. and uh, Lacey pins Sasha for another elimination. Looked great. Uh, when when they shoot it right and she, she hits it, or at least, like, performs it as well as it can be, that's, that is a, a good-looking finish at times. I think. Even a great name, Women's Right. Yeah, but it's kind of weird because then they go for, like, other, like, worked punches that aren't as deadly, but it's still, like, you're doing work punch. Oh, yeah, I always you know? just liked having, you know... Uh, Whole, you know, fist being a finish, but it just—I don't know—it just looks and feels right that um, Lacey does the uh, women's right because, come on, who really like likes the uh, mm-hmm. what, weapon of mass destruction from a uh, Big Show? Really yeah, thought that was weird. And yeah. then the chop from Great Kali. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, Lacey's is—it it does have a good name and it looks a lot better than those finishers, so I'll give her that much. Mm-hmm. So now it has come down to Bailey and Lacey Evans. They're the last two women in the match. Uh, Bailey continues to wear down Lacey, trash talking the whole way through. Lacey makes a comeback with a clothesline, uh, a series of clotheslines and a neckbreaker. Lacey is then uh, driven into the ring post after this. Bailey goes into the cover, but Lacey kicks out. Bailey continues the beatdown. Uh, Bailey then does shots in the corner. Bailey ties up Lacey's arm with the tag rope in uh, the corner turnbuckle. And Bailey beats her down in the corner while she's all tied up. Lacey then gets free and lays out Bailey with a boot. Lacey uh, then continues to kick the hell out of Bailey. Bronco Busters in the corner by Lacey. She like does a handstand on the ropes and then like goes into a Bronco Buster. She did that a few times. Uh, Lacey then does that uh, pretty moonsault once again on Bailey, but Bailey kicks out. And then right after this, as Lacey recovers from uh, the moonsault, Sasha attacks her from behind with a backstabber. And then Bailey hits her finish on Lacey to win and retain the title. So I thought this was a good match. It gets a thumbs up for me. A thumb up, like one thumb up. It's not like I'm going to give it like a glowing two. But it was certainly better than expected, and, and I had a lot of fun watching it. Um. Yeah, there's nothing really. Um. I mean, 
I can't really take anything away from it. It's a oh, five way, you know, notice DQ. Uh, you could expect anything, to be honest. I liked how every woman did look strong in the end because, you know, everyone had to team up on Tamina. That makes sense because she's the biggest woman. And then uh, who was next? Naomi. Um, and then in the end, it was, uh, it was uh, what's her name? Sasha and then uh, Lacey. I did think at one point it'd be interesting if they had two heels, Sasha and Bailey. you know, just the last two women. But I'm not surprised that... <laughs> That um Sasha got out uh second to last. So So what would you say your final uh, thoughts? Uh thumb in a tenth. Yeah, okay. I give it that. Yeah, at least a little decent amount. Again, I thought I I was expecting this to be the worst match of the show and it really wasn't. It it, it exceeded my expectations, so I found that nothing to be more than a positive, so I expected nothing and got a whole lot out of it, so I really can't complain. You know what I mean? No, especially after um, after all these matches, they, they did stand out somehow. And in the like the the the, the sixth match of the night too, like getting near the end of the show, and they were able to to do that. Yeah, there was only, exactly. only there's only two matches left at that point, which leads us to the second cinematic match of WrestleMania two nights. And that being the Firefly Funhouse match between The Fiend and John Cena. Now, this thing was as wacky as wacky can be. And I tried to take as many notes the best I could. So <laughs> There were a lot of good Easter eggs. And, uh, there were a ton of them. There Holy were a ton crap. of them. I had a hard time keeping up with it and trying to write the things that were I thought were highlights. Oh, down. I remember the most out of this, to be honest. I okay. was that invested. And then it oh, was yeah. crazy. Um. What's his name? John Cena came out. I texted you like, "Holy crap! Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a cinematic uh, experience." But it was then, a, it uh, was a swerve. You see, it cut to it. Yeah, it was a swerve. So John Cena comes out, and we think he's going to do his usual like hustle, loyalty, respect entrance. Then all of a sudden, it cuts out, and it looks like the film grains like running out, and it looks like it's fading away. Then it cuts to a bunch of old WrestleMania like clips like, this is wrestlemania like vince at wrestlemania 3 and, and all this and then all of a sudden we see the firefly funhouse graphic and the song goes on and bray welcomes us by saying basically that angels and monsters are one i believe or something to that i was a bit creeped out when yeah that whole ass demon on screen yeah was like they're really gonna put this on on wrestlemania pay-per-view they did okay. they did there was a, a a red demon staring me in the face on this that was one of the most like traumatic experiences from that match in my opinion so that's, then that's wrong yeah so then bray goes on to say that john cena is facing the most dangerous opponent he's ever faced and that being himself so then cena stands he's just all of a sudden he's in the funhouse and he's frightened, and he's looking around at all the little puppets, and Rambling Rabbit shows up and tells him where the Fiend is and where the Fiend went. So, John, you gotta go through the door. You gotta go through the door, John. And John goes through that. that. Oh, did you skip over the uh, the McMahon thing, conversation at first? When he was like, do you have the ruthless aggression stuff? Uh, that's coming up. That, that's not yet. That's coming up. Really? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I yeah. I remembered it wrong. So... Cena goes through the Funhouse door, and now he's in a dark void. And he's in this dark void for a while. And then all of a sudden, Vince McMahon, the puppet, shows up okay. and asks Cena if he has enough ruthless aggression to be a success. Because if he doesn't, he will be fired. Then you wonder what the fuck that was all about. Then all of a sudden, Bray is in the middle of a ring mimicking Kurt Angle from John Cena's debut match. 
And Cena comes out in these goofy trunks similar to those that he had in his early days of being on SmackDown. And then Bray asks, what makes you think you can beat me, John? And John says, I have ruthless aggression. And he says this like a thousand times. Five times. He says it like a bunch of times in a row. And then they end up like kind of having a scuffle. And then Bray's avoiding every single punch like he's Bugs Bunny or... Like, the, the Roadrunner, he's like a Looney Tune. He's just avoiding every punch. Then all of a sudden, a Saturday Night's main event graphic appears after Vince McMahon, the puppet, and the buzzard are on commentary. And uh, then Muscle Man Wyatt is behind a cage, cutting an 80s-style promo, introducing John Cena as his tag team partner, like as if they're the Mega Powers or something. And then uh, Wyatt asks Cena what he's going to do, brother, like he's like Hulk Hogan or something. It's Muscle Man Wyatt. And then uh, Cena ends up being in his Word Life Titan Tron, and he's back in his rapper attire all of a sudden. And then Cena raps at Wyatt, mentioning his time as Husky Harris, and calls him a slut at opportunity, but blows all his chances. Was a a highlight highlight that he uh, basically said. And then Wyatt, in retaliation to this, plays the sob story. You know, he's, he's does like the, he calls Cena a bully, and says that this is absolutely John Cena's last chance. So then Cena, of course, mentions D's nuts before of getting course. hit. Before a classic, <laughs> a classic thugonomics. Yeah, to, I think Carlito. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he yeah, it's like oh four. That's a long time ago. Yeah. So then he then yeah, then Bray hits him with a chain. Bray is now all of a sudden in his old attire, like his former cult leader gimmick. Talking oh, about, I love that. Yeah, that it was, was a cool, cool, it was an awesome throwback. And he's talking about how Sister Abigail always told him that this day would come. Bray says now is the time to rewrite his own story. And he's then back in the ring, dancing with a limp John Cena. And he goes for Sister Abigail on Cena, but Cena was able to break free. And then there's a callback to WrestleMania 30, where Bray tells him to tells himself basically tells John to fix the past and hit him with a chair. So it's a complete callback to the near the end of the WrestleMania 30 match. Bray goes on his knees and is telling John, "Fix your past. Hit me. Hit me with that chair." And he goes for it. And then he goes crazy. for it and then it cuts out and then Wyatt uh, comes back to WCW theme and NWO stuff and he starts gabbing off like like as if he's Eric Bischoff in the 90s and then John he introduces John Cena who comes out in NWO colors they give each other the wolf pack sign and then all of a sudden Cena starts beating Bray down but he realizes he's actually beating up that pig puppet i forget his name does the pig have a name um i forget his um... name if he does <laughs> I don't remember the puppets. I just know that Mercy is the buzzard, and then Sister Abigail is the witch or something. Yeah, and then there's uh, there's Rambling Rabbit, and then there's Rambling the, Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Then, but the pig has a name too. It's the one with the like, chocolate on his face, and I forget. I'll look it up for you. Yeah, I would like to know the pig's name. <laughs> Not that it's really all that important. He's was, a key person. Yeah, in the fun house. he's a key person <laughs> in the funhouse. That's for sure. So as we wait for the the pig name, I'll kind of go off of what else happened here. So then after that, the fiend is all of a sudden behind John Cena, and he puts him in the mandible claw for a bit. Um, then it plays Cena's line that he he cut on a promo on either this week's SmackDown or the, or the SmackDown before about Bray being overrated and overhyped and and not worth building upon in the future and that's played kind of over and over and it's played as John Cena is hit with Sister Abigail. 
and the Fiend locks in the Mandible Claw after Sister Abigail is hit. And then regular Bray, Funhouse Bray, not Fiend Bray, uh, counts the pin for the Fiend, and then the Fiend celebrates his triumph by yelling, Let me in. Fun stuff. It was super goofy, but it was what it needed to be. I give oh, it. Oh, that's funny. It's, uh, it's Husky. Oh, Husky. That's funny. That is kind of funny. Husky the pig. Husky the pig. So that's the pig's name. But yeah, I, it was super, super goofy. It was wacky. But like, it's everything that makes the fiend funny. And, and John did did a great job in it as well. I thought this was a, a, a thumbs up package. I can tell that Bray had fun whenever he had the ultimate deletion with Matt because this showed like a lot of control that Bray had in creativity. This is, I feel like this was almost 100% Bray all of this this entire this entire match alone um did you talk about how Vince the the puppet Vince during the NBA, uh, NWO segment where he went this is good shit oh I completely forgot about that in my notes yes I remember I was, it now I was blown away because you can you only heard people would talk about Vince how he would say oh this is this is good shit and then they actually had that in the the damn program, so that was that was hilarious. You know what's on funny? WrestleMania pay per view too. The, that that came out because Dean Ambrose shot on that on Talk Is Jericho like yeah, a year exactly. ago. Yeah, yeah. So they to believe that they actually put that in the the Funhouse package is hilarious to me. Yeah, it was during the NWO part you said because I remember it being yeah, sad, I but I don't so. remember the particular part because this just changed like scenes like like a bunch of times. Yeah, multiple throughout. times. Multiple I was, if I'm wrong, I believe it's it was like during the NWO part because I was kind of like weirded out that you know the Vince McMahon and uh, Buzzard Puppet were at the uh, Nitro, you know. Uh, oh no, no, they were not. They were at uh, the Saturday Night's Main Event calling. That yep. was the good shit thing. I think so because that's the first right. time you've seen them at the the announce table. So Got you. that was that. Well, I don't remember well. Uh, well, you can you can kind of go on a little bit more because this was Gabe's highlight of the night. I believe you said you enjoyed this best out of the show, correct? Unless you, you've changed your mind since we last talked on the chat, but... Uh... Yeah, this is my favorite part of the show. I mean, like, we talked about everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a whole journey of, you know, you know, Cena and also Bray's career uh, throughout the professional wrestling industry. And then uh, it's... I liked how they also introduced uh, Cena's journey with uh, Vince McMahon going, do you have enough ruthless aggression? Because that's... That was John Cena's calling to the main roster. Like, you know, hey, I have what it takes. And then, obviously, that's his upbringing. And then I was kind of confused at first. Like, why are they bringing up, you know, the Saturday night uh, set and the uh, Nitro set? But when I was talking to my friend Kenny over there. Hi, Kenny. He listens to this podcast, by the way, which is amazing. Thank Um, you, Kenny. Yep. Uh, He he told me that um, the reason why, uh, if I can remember from our conversation... He told me the reason why they brought those up is because, you know, John Cena is uh, another big guy in the industry. You know, example of uh, were they mimicking the uh, mega powers in the Saturday Night set? Well, it was like either they were mimicking the mega powers, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, or they were kind of imitating the ultimate maniacs, which would be like the ultimate warrior and and Macho Man. Yeah, it's very much like 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 er, a late 80s, early 90s tag team spoof. Yeah, because I feel like that's what I feel like that's what um, Vince really saw in Cena, and then uh, NWO, uh, what's his name? Yeah, NWO Bischoff. He's just pushing the hell out of, uh, and then introducing uh, John Cena, 
from uh, Bray Wyatt's uh, image of him. So it's uh, it's just a key a key imagery, I guess, on how pushed over pushed John Cena is. Uh, I was confused personally on why they like did a bunch of curls for Cena on those uh weights, and then he just gave out. I didn't know what that meant. So I don't know if it meant anything. I think it was just like just overacting and just being cheesy, like a lot of stuff was in the eighties. I feel like it was. I feel like Bray meant something by that. That he just kept doing curls, 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 and then gave out. I don't know. I'll give it some thought tonight. But um, for now, we're a little stumped. Yeah, that's a stumper right there. I didn't think um, much of it until you brought it up. To be honest, I was just like, "It's a guy I doing goofy." It it's a guy doing goofy shit. Because like they went on about it for like a good twenty seconds, the curls, twenty to thirty seconds. I'm like, "Wow, this is going on a bit weird. Too long." Uh, let's see what else was pretty cool about this. I mean, uh, yeah, he just the fiend just came out of nowhere. The mandible. Oh, here's what I like the most. All right, so. The uh, Mandible Claw is applied from The Fiend, and then as Cena is being, uh, I guess, choked to his death, who knows, um, they're going to play dialogue. They play dialogue of Cena um, from a couple weeks ago where he's saying, like, I'm going to end the end the most overhyped, over, like, Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, that they played that, that, that audio during the finish. That's my favorite po- moment of it, Braden. That's what took it home. Oh Honestly. yeah, that that made it definitive, and it showed that the like the fiend won. Decisively. Yeah, because this is a, uh, you know, that's not, you know, just uh You know what else I could say about a two game? What's it's up? usually a very John Cena thing to get his win back, but Bray got his win back from oh, Cena. Oh yeah, of course. From the king of the guy who gets his win back, he got his win back from John Cena. So I thought that was kind of funny. It's uh, it's. I mean, to be honest, even if he did get his win back, which, I mean, he didn't lose anything, you know, it'd be weird. He wouldn't gain anything from it. So it's just uh, a great circle of life we've come to from uh, their last program in WrestleMania 30. Yeah. And, like, they just stumbled upon having history. Like, it's just like they just stumbled into a match that actually had some history behind it that they did a callback to six years beforehand the first time they faced off. So Yeah, at first I was wondering, like, when the year just started, who's the fiend gonna go for now? You know, and especially him dropping the damn belt. Okay, now who's face? You know, yeah, are the, they the, just gonna push him on the side? The but fiend no. was sacrificed. I feel like Cena some... was the perfect opponent for this year's WrestleMania, yeah. especially with the circumstances. It worked. They out. wouldn't have done this it if it out. wasn't for the Corona. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful masterpiece from Bray. So, um, uh, two thumbs up, a third if I had a. Another hand. So wonderful. That's a more thumbs up than I even gave my favorite portion of the show. So outstanding review from Gabe mm-hmm. on the Funhouse match. So that's awesome. I wonder if you also enjoy the Funhouse match. Do comment below your your thoughts on it. Would be would be wonderful. I, and even any of the other matches on the show. So now we go to the main event, which was the match I was looking forward to most out of the entire Mania card. It's Brock Lesnar <laughs> defending the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre. The two come out, they have their usual entrance, and they trade blows back and forth right out of the gate. They start hitting each other with some hailmakers, and then Drew Claymore's Brock right the fuck out of nowhere, and Brock kicks out. So then Drew goes for another, but Brock gets out of the way, and then Brock begins Suplex City. Drew desperately tries to hang to the top and, and middle ropes, but every time he goes to hang onto the rope, Brock overpowers him and forces him to the mat with a German suplex. And then... Brock hit an F5, 
And Drew kicked out at one. One. Not even two. Brock hits an F5, and Drew McIntyre kicks out at a one count. That was impressive. Brock then immediately hits a second F5, but Drew kicks out. So, Paul just says, keep hitting him with it. So, Brock goes for a third F5 and hits it, and Drew once again kicks out. Brock laughs at Drew and, and taunts him a bit and uh, hoists him up for another, but Drew's able to escape the shoulders of Lesnar and uses his momentum to connect with another Claymore. Drew then uh, waits for Brock to get up and hits him with a third Claymore of the match, and then Drew sets up for the big final fourth Claymore. He hits it to win the title in a match that was good, but it was short. It, it wasn't long enough to be anything great, but it certainly... This was the shortest match on the card. Yeah, Brady. believe it or not. It, the match I was looking forward to most was the shortest match of the show. It was basically... It was shorter than the pre-show. Holy shit. Hold yeah. On, it's like four minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. so it, it was good, but it was short. It had the right result. It gets a thumb in the middle to thumb up for me. I guess a thumb up for Drew winning his, his first world title. But, like, I was hoping for, like, chops and, and long beatings and... Like, Drew kind of make get, like getting beat down for a while, then making, like, the big babyface comeback. But it was basically just... It was like the Goldberg-Braun match, but with better athletics behind it. Yeah, I feel like it was the exact same thing, but with extra, like, steps in a good way. Yeah, like, oh, like the athleticism was better, the moves looked more real, like, everything looked better, and the athletes were giving it better, and, like, everything was performed better, is what I'll say. Like, Drew and Brock are, are much better workers than Braun and Goldberg are, right? So Yeah, whatever had more emotion into it, too. Yeah, so, that as I said, it was good. I enjoyed it for the, the whole four minutes it was, but it was just too damn short to be anything other than just good. I feel like... Do you think they would have been longer if there was a crowd, Brayden? Uh, I think it would have been structured different. I think there, there might have been a longer Brock beatdown where, where the crowd just boos and, and says same old shit and Brock laughs at them and does the whole thing where he stomps on the hand or, or, or just does... Or if he, he lifts him for an F5 and says, Go home! or uh, Good night, everybody! And he hits it and then Drew would kick out of that F5 and then Brock would look shocked and then he'd go for another one and then maybe the comeback would happen. I think it would have been structured different and maybe it would have been a little longer with a crowd. I think it would have been a little longer with a crowd, but we'll mm -hmm. never know. It's a big what if now. Um, let's see. I mean, like it's a it's a good match. Um, it's Drew's biggest moment, and I like how he keep just trying to put a smile on. Face. I can tell he's like a bit hurt. You know, there's no crowd. He even looks at the camera and says, "Thank you, thank you," and I'm like. Wow, I, I really feel bad for this man. He really deserves a crowd for this big monumental win. I I didn't know how to feel about this like moment for him. No, but it needed to happen. Vince wanted to do this. He wasn't gonna postpone the show, and this was the the um the reward for this this long angle of winning the rumble and going on to win the title. Like it just it's a shame that it had to be in front of nobody, but it is what it is. Indeed. Um, I'll give it a uh, a half of a thumb, or uh, yeah, because yeah. you know it, it should happen. You know, all this was gonna happen in my book. It's just, what can you do? You know, we will never know like if it would have been better or not in front of a crowd. So, so I'm gonna be circumstances mm -hmm. that's ruining it for me. So, lastly, ladies and gentlemen, I am gonna be the controversial one here and say that WrestleMania Night One, shockingly, was the better night of WrestleMania. Night 2 had its moments, but I thought it was a weaker show as a, a full-on package than Night 1 was. 
I thought this was the weaker of the two parts. Mm-hmm. Like it was just it was like if if last night was very good, this was okay. Yeah, I feel like. Didn't you say that there was more of a big match feel to this before we uh, got to the well? The, show? It, it felt like like these were the matches that they took more seriously and felt were more important, so they they saved them for night two. But it's not like it it didn't it didn't click and and flow as well as night one did. You know, some mm-hmm. stuff dragged on too long, some stuff felt out of place. Like it it just it, it felt even though there was some bigger stuff that happened as as a full package. I don't think it was the presentation and flow was nowhere near as good as as last night was. I can agree with that 100%. So, so do you uh, remember do you remember the thumbs we gave for night 1? Did we give it 2 or did we give it 1? Uh, we'll have to look back. I'll just say uh cuz I I give this thumbs in the middle for an overall show. Well, thumbs in the middle. If if you can okay, review night 1 now, what would you give it? Oh, I'd give it like like a like a thumb up or a thumb and a half for sure. Like a thumb okay, up to thumb cool. and a half and this gets about midway for one thumb. It's about thumb yeah, in the middle. Complete thumbs in the middle that. show. So. so yeah, night one, I'll mirror you. Night two, uh, sh- I don't know. I mean, like, I guess a, a half is all good as well. So I'll just mimic you right there. Uh, would you say did you rate the entire show? I just you got to look at it as two halves, right? Like it's hard to kind of because like it one show had a beginning and an end, and the second show had a beginning and an end. So to me, I just look at them as two separate pay per views. Yeah, but you know it's still a WrestleMania, Braden. So I mean, as an entire package, it would just still be very good. Okay. You know what I mean? Like even if you added, like if you mixed up the stuff, best stuff from night one with the best stuff from night two, it was never going to be a great pay per view. It was never going to be pay per view of the year, one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. It was just a solid, very good show. They did the best with what they had, and that's got to be counted for something. Is an entire show. I'd give it a a singular thumb. I feel like <laughs> that um it balances out very well. Yeah. The uh, positives and negatives. Oh my god! I look back at last night. What a what a great amount of like wrestling like content we got, excluding uh the intercontinental uh IC match. I yeah. just uh mm-hmm. I can't forget that one in a way. But um yeah, just the uh, from the great um I guess the great boneyard match that we had and then the the one of the best ladder matches uh from wrestlemania in a way and then there's owens and rollins and right night one and then we're just gonna go to i guess you know the bray wyatt john cena stuff i mean i guess for you it's the uh edge and norton mm-hmm. stuff and then not really much uh, and the women's opener was very was great Oh yeah, oh, oh, yeah. So like those were the, as well. But still, I would say night one had three highlights, whereas night two for each of us only had like two highlights. So mm. we still agree that we we had much more fun with night one than than. Night oh two. yeah, a hell of a lot for, more fun in uh, night one. Night two, I just what really lost me. I'm sorry, Brian. It's, it's Edge and Orton. That's what really it's lost all, me. It's fair. Wrestling <laughs> is subjective, my dude. Everybody's got different opinions on stuff. And so now that that's basically our review for the show, and it might be our last pay-per-view review, at least for, for a while, considering everything that's going on in the world. But uh, to you, yeah, Gabe, because, I know... Uh, mm-hmm. What's it called? Money in the Bank is about to... Uh, I think that's postponed again, right? Or is they it, uh... haven't. They were advertising it still to go in May. They were advertising, oh, really? They advertised it tonight. Yep. I doubt it. Wow. I think it's probably going to get canned, but we'll see. It's going to, no matter what, because this corona stuff is not halting or getting any better. It's not leveling out at all. So, 
it's it's probably going to get canned, which means Double or Nothing is probably going to get canned too or, or postponed. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, that's supposed to be happening at the end of May as well. Like Memorial Day weekend, I think, is when they, they had that paper. AEW had that pay-per-view booked. So for the shows that were I had thought about predicting, both of them supposed to be happening in May, I don't think they are going to happen. So this could be our last pay-per-view review for a bit of a haul. So hope you enjoyed it. And now I will leave the floor to Gabe to plug whatever he wants to do on what could be our, our last podcast for a little bit. So the, the floor is yours, Gabe. Good old YouTube channel, Nozid, N-O-Z-I-D, and if not, uh, or as well, join my uh, Instagram, Twitter at Gabe Nozid, because who knows it? Gabe knows it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, as said, uh, I'm, I'm, I was told by one of my uh, buddies that uh, there's another podcast um, distributor, I forget the name of it, but he sent me the link to it uh, last night, and I'm going to look into it to post the shows, both uh, nights one and two reviews there, but uh, most likely you probably are going to see this on YouTube, so if, if you yes. did enjoy this and, and you, you watch the show and you're a subscriber of mine, please comment on your on your thoughts on, on night two, and it would be wonderful if you did watch night one uh, to also post about your thoughts on night one in the night one review that's also been posted, and if you happen to just be scrolling through reviews and jumping from one review to the other and you happen to find this video and you, you liked what you heard, do give the channel a nice little subscribe button. The Braster would always love another uh, long time you know, listener of uh, this here Apron Bumps podcast. So that is it from me. And, Wait, and, Brain, you forgot, whoa, whoa. you forgot another title change once again. <laughs> oh, you want to mention Gronk's uh, big win? Okay. The Gronk is 24-7 champion. Oh, my God. He's going to be a world champion one day. Watch watch this, Brayden. <laughs> winning the 24-7 title on his, what, second night? Yeah. Or is it third night? Whatever. Well, yeah, he had that one night on SmackDown. Then. Yes. Yeah. Yo, Gronk has a great future. I told you, we, did we not mention in the first review that he was going to win that title by the end of the, <laughs> the two nights? I'm pretty sure we mentioned that. So, oh my, he, but we, he did what a dive from the, the damn balcony, and yeah. then Titus took over. That was funny. Yeah, but yeah. So, you know, Gronk winning the title meant less of his obnoxious personality on my TV screen. So I'm glad with him winning the title. Whatever, you know, it's just like. <laughs> Whatever. So that's that's pretty well it for uh, this here review. Hope you enjoyed it. And much like, uh, you know, John Morris and Sammy Guevara and a lot of other people in that have had a career in AAA, we are going to Spanish fly on out of here.